watch out. I'm going to write about you. Watch out. Ah, I'm going to write about you. Ah, you're going to write about me in your journal. Yes, I will. Hello and welcome to episode 149 of the Erasable Podcast. I'm Johnny Gamber and head hosting duties, and Tim Wassum and Andy Welfie are here, as always, to keep us on track. Hey, guys. Hello. So ever since 2006, Abraham has been blogging about La Vie Graphite on his incredible blog. While our favorite graphite tool shows up regularly, I'd suggest the topic of his blog is the soul, which we could talk about more. Um, not pencils. But tonight, we're very happy to have Abraham on the show to talk about one of my favorite topics, journaling. Hey, Abraham. Thanks for joining us. Hey, good evening. We're so excited to have you on. Thank you. I really look forward to this. Yeah. You do. It's true. Thank you. you. Just considering how how long your blog has been around. um, Yeah, I think it's fun to get just some, like, the quote-unquote old guard here on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you know, it's a funny thing to be a Gen Xer because to me, what I don't even really think much about it, but I've started to um, because of the work that I've been doing. And one of the things that I think, if any of you are Gen Xers, if you were were in high school in the 80s, maybe, um, uh, that's that generation that has caught the tail ends of things. Mm. If you, you mm-hmm. know what I mean, uh, I, I learned to write thank you notes. <laughs> I got cursive writing in grade school. Um, uh, I ate at little restaurants that old timers talk about. And I caught these places in their last couple of years. Even the professors I had in graduate school, I had a lot of them in their last years of teaching. So hmm. I, I think this is something that parallels this type of life is you catch the tail ends of longstanding institutions, whether they're people or they're eateries or their modes of transportation or their manners, their ways of being, you caught the very tail end. And I am bringing this up because you're talking about broadcasting and et cetera. Um, I love radio. And you'll see I write a lot about that too in the blog. There are themes that keep coming back. And I think when you've worked on something and you've been writing and journaling, uh, or any type of expressive work, and you've been doing it long enough, and, and you've you've been faithful to it, and you've stayed true to your own expression, themes will keep coming back. And that's one of them. I guess we're not exactly radio. Yeah, we're not exactly radio here. Like podcasts, you know, borrow elements from radio, but like we, we just do whatever the hell we want, because, you know, we're not regulated <laughs> by the, yeah. Well, you know, um, Actually, it is in keeping, though I don't want to take us off our, our, our track here, uh, but um, uh, the, the, better, the better talk programs that you're going to hear are not the political ones. Um, they're going to be the ones that talk about just things, especially um, Steve Lavalley was absolutely wonderful, and he, he retired a few years ago. He was also in Boston, and he was apolitical. Uh, and people just love to chat. Everyone's got something to say. And uh, a lot of nostalgia, a lot of reminiscences. Uh, Gene Burns used to say that his topic was, he would say the topic is the issues of the day. 
that can be anything, you see? That's, That's what great. we're doing now. So um, speaking of the issues of the day, yep. um, Abraham, do you want to start us off on uh, our <laughs> tools of the trade? Talk about um, what you've been consuming and then, of course, what you're writing with and writing on. Sure, sure. Uh, consuming is uh, I had to I had to check to see what you <laughs> meant by that, uh, but I think it's I think it's a good word. It's it's appropriate. Um, uh, when I taught photography, I used to tell the students that we are makers of images just as we're consumers of images. So I, I remember that word. <laughs> um, <clears throat> excuse me. <clears throat> I think that the uh, the work from home thing means a lot of screen time. And uh, I, I am working full time as an archivist and I work with the public and I work with collections and uh, <clears throat> excuse me, um, no sorry about that. In the midst of all of this, in the midst of, of, of this, of the pandemic, I've really been turned to the collections and it's all screen time, which can be tiring. And so uh, my reading has kind of slowed down because I, really find that I need to journal, you know, just sit with the, with the, uh, with, with the quiet and so on. Uh, but I'm also grateful that over the years, because you, you really can't go anywhere, um, though New England is in, in, you know, in a bit better shape than, than, than most places. Um, I'm grateful that I have been buying books here and there for the last half dozen years uh, uh, because I'm getting around to reading them now. Uh, here they are. You can't get to a library. So here, you know, uh, I'm glad that I've collected some things. Um, and uh, uh, right now I'm in the middle of uh, the, the life story of Francisco Suarez, who was a Baroque era philosopher uh, from Spain. And uh, I had read some of his work, but now I'm reading about his life and, and I find it extremely interesting. And it's making me really enjoy his other work the work from his own hand even more because this is this is a biography written about him in 1940 uh you know which is really the during the war um uh so there's a little bit of a spin there on on that you know uh, uh i read a biography a few months ago about uh, san juan de la cruz also of spain also a thinker and it was written in Spain by a French author, and it was during World War II. It was really in the throes of it. It was in the early 40s. And there are a lot of little nuances in between the lines. You know, it's written in French, and, and uh, there's a kind of poetic style, but it's hard not to think that it was written in wartime. And the paper is like newsprint paper. It's very delicate. Uh, and so I'm, I'm consuming this, uh, but slowly. And uh, I tend to read with a pencil. I always take notes. And then I turn the notes into indexes. See, I'm an incurable <laughs> librarian. Uh, and uh, those, those notes that I take that turn into indices um, are like the breadcrumbs that are left in the woods. You know, <laughs> it's so I can retrace my steps. Um, uh, some things have warranted some heavy indexing because I've found really, really great things that have really spoken to me. And I don't want to lose these sources when, you know, when you go on to, you know, 10 books later, you'll say, what, what, what was that book? What did I see in it? But if you go back to your index, you know, it's annotated and you could say, ah, that's where I saw this or that quote. You notice that in my blog, 
it, every essay is prefaced by a quote from something or someone. Maybe you've noticed this. And uh, these are actually things that I have been reading and I've distilled these, these quotations down. Uh, sometimes it's from manuscripts, so these things are not published. And I like to give the reader the exact location of what I read, you know, what chapter, you know, where is this so that you can go find this because I want people to, to, to be encouraged and to keep learning. See, this is also <laughs> the incurable teacher. Um, <laughs> got a librarian, so got the a teacher. Reading... <laughs> well, you know, and then the thing is, uh, you don't just put it down. This is your life. You know, you're immersed in it. The reading and the writing really go together. You see, they're all intertwined. And uh, what I find, and maybe this is true for you and for others that are listening, that um, if you get to a block in your writing, you know, you're writing the same thing over and over and over, that the writing starts to hit a standstill. It means you're not reading enough. And that mm. has, I've tested this. and I find that it works. Read more if, if the writing doesn't, you're not happy with the writing. Uh, then you're asking about tools. Yeah. You're asking about tools? Yes. We're the. It's a podcast about writing tools. Podcast. So, you know. <laughs> I know. It's wonderful. Bless your hearts. Bless your hearts. We could talk shop. Um, I keep three parallel journals. I don't know if this is the place to bring this up. No. Is it? I, yeah. I, I, at least at least briefly, I'd love to know like the, yeah, the difference okay. between those. Yes. Um, well, you know what I'll do? I'll tell you what they are, and then you can, t you can ask your questions if you think it's appropriate now or appropriate later. But for years, I have kept three parallel journals. Uh, they are separate because of what's being used. Um, the pencil journal, it's, the blog is named after this. I had that name before the blog. Uh, uh, it's jottings, it's thoughts, quick, quick, just thoughts, write a word down. It's your, it's your lunch break. Um, you're on the subway, you're write it down. Don't lose this thought. You know, you get up at two o'clock in the morning and you don't want to lose that thought. So it's like a hold that thought book. And that's the graphite journal. Uh, and then when I have more time, I develop those thoughts and I use pen and ink. And that's the second journal. And uh, that's where I can put things into paragraphs and really develop them. Uh, the blog is really spinning out of the, the full out journals. And, um, uh, and then I also keep a journal with a typewriter. I, I think that for stream of consciousness writing, there's nothing like a mechanical, especially a portable, because you can take it, take it around with you, take it outside. It's wireless. Look, there's a network <laughs> printer. Isn't that amazing? <laughs> Let's put the paper in, roll it in and start writing. But what it does is you, you cannot distract yourself. There's only one thing to do with a typewriter, and it's right, right. And I, I, uh, I use loose leaf paper. I like that Levenger paper oh, that yeah. is disc bound. And you roll it, and I get the kind without the lines. And uh, make the investment, get the puncher so you can punch your own paper. And you can get blank paper of any color you want. You put it in the typewriter, and you just go to town and just write. You know, sometimes I'll just time myself and just write, just write. Don't stop, just go. And out of that will come essays. I'll look back at it, I'll mark it up. A lot of ideas have come from that. So those are the three parallel lines. Um, the tools that uh, I think Johnny had asked about, um, you know, in brief, in real brief, 
not easy <laughs> for me, but in real brief, um, what I will choose to use out of my arsenal, and maybe this happens with you too, is going to depend entirely on the paper that I'm working on uh, or writing on, you know, the physical surface, the physical paper. Uh, if it's something like uh, Moleskina, you know, uh, and I'm writing in pencil, it's the graphite journal, uh, I'm going to choose softer softer pencils because that's a sort of a toothy kind of paper and that's going to work very well. And uh, uh, Johnny had sent me some bugles, <laughs> which I really like because <laughs> they really fit the bill. And I have this uh, Eagle drafting, uh, uh, very similar, but older. And then these, uh, these clutch fixed pencils, which I use in archival work. They're just great. And I, I carry one around and uh it's always at the ready. And then the same with the pen and ink, you know, no lines. I just don't like lines. I think it probably says a lot about my personality. I don't need lines. <laughs> There's enough structure. Um, and uh, I like these paper blanks journals because they make them without lines. Heaven help me. And um, again, it, you know, if it's a, if it's a fairly um, toothy paper you can use finer points and then you can play with different inks and then if it's a very glossy kind of paper then you may want to use something a little bit broader so it's it's going to have to do with how the tools and the surface react yeah yeah we definitely talk a lot about the interplay between paper and and pencil just because that's such a such an important pairing for sure it is yeah it, it really is awesome yeah. who's next Looking at the paper and asking a question. Tim. <laughs> Tim. Me. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Um, as far as consuming, uh, one, I've been consuming all of like five hours because it just was announced. But I've I've talked plenty about my love for Wilco and Jeff Tweedy. And Jeff Tweedy announced today that he's got another new solo album coming out next month. So he's gotten into this amazing uh, pattern <laughs> over the past couple of years where he puts out like a book and a album or two, like at the same time. So he has a book coming out on October 13th, which I, I can't remember if I've talked about it on here yet. Hmm. I'm very excited I about it. A little bit, it was yeah. kind of a surprise. Yeah. It's called how to write one song. So, cause he put out a memoir last year and then he put out like a double solo album right after that, which all of that was really great. That was two years ago. And so he's putting out uh, a book called how to write one song. I think it, title pretty much explains itself haven't read it yet got it pre-ordered and then uh he's putting out a new album that's called love is the king and i am really really intrigued by it there's, there's two songs available right now which are both great they're called a uh, guess again and love is the king and uh in the uh description for like coming out with the uh the new album he basically said that when quarantine happened and he was starting to like have some real like i guess like struggling with just being like cut off from touring and the work that he loves and seeing all this, you know, just all the things that we're all going through. He decided just as kind of consolation to himself to start trying to write some country songs, which of course, Jeff Tweedy saying he's writing a country song. It doesn't sound like what you think a country song, <laughs> you know, is going to sound like it sounds like a Jeff Tweedy song, but the structure of it is very much like inspired by a, uh, by country music. And the two songs he's put out are, are really fantastic. So I've been really loving those just today. And, um, as far as reading, the last week, the main thing I've been reading, as I've been just busy with school stuff and rereading that, the main thing I was reading by myself is I finally got around to starting Wherever You Go, There You Are. Awesome. Which, uh, have either of you read that? Yeah. Um, 
he's uh, mm-hmm. Howard Zinn's yeah. son-in-law, it's a bit... which is so cool. Ah, yeah, John Cabot Zinn. Uh, yeah, so he is. Uh, yeah, it's a book about mindfulness meditation, and every it's called uh, the subtitle "Mindfulness Meditation in Everyday Life," and it's a really beautiful little book. And I don't, I mean, I don't have a whole lot to say about it, but it's just been very helpful to me this week, just kind of re rewiring myself a little bit. Uh, just as with all the stresses of teaching in this time and all the normal stuff that you all are dealing with too. So I've, I've really enjoyed that book and it's on a sale on Kindle right now for $1.99 if you're into that sort of thing. So if you don't mind uh, me asking. Been enjoying that and then watching the main thing I've, the new thing I've watched that I've just been really pumped Sorry. up about is I finally got around to watching Martin Scorsese's documentary about George Harrison called Living in the Material World. Hmm, it's happened. like a three hour oh, no. documentary uh and it's, what it turns into is it, it turns out that learning about the Beatles through the lens of George Harrison is like a really great way to learn about the Beatles because <laughs> cause he was kind of the, <laughs> the silent third one, you know, that didn't get as much attention. He was a really He's known as the fifth character. Beatle, even though there yeah. <laughs> even though there's only four. Even though there were only. Yeah. <laughs> no, but, I'll bet um, it's great. Yeah. I am. I am, I'm a really, I've been a big George Harrison fan for a long time and his solo albums, especially, I mean, All Things Must Pass, I mean, I think is the best Beatles solo album uh, ever. So, and I'm not, not like that's some kind of original thought, but I just, I really love that album. So I, I highly recommend it. It's on, I had to subscribe to something called Kello on, through Amazon. And it's like a streaming service that's all music documentaries and, and uh, concert films which has also been a lot of fun just kind of kicking around in there because i got it for the month and so i'm gonna watch as much as i can um yeah really loving that stuff so and then i'm writing with i've got a, a kitabashi 9606 the one that's like a academic writing is what it says on the side like the deep maroon one that i got from or i got recently i think i got it from cw pencils i think but um and i am using i just started i finished off my pocket notebook and i am trying out one of these exceed a hardback pocket notebooks from it's like a brand that you find at Walmart, which is I know not very. Exotic it's your first of what, like sixty of them? Yeah, I've got I've been buying them constantly for the last few weeks. <laughs> I got some, <laughs> got some rubber tubs stacked up with them, and then you know, and then next week <laughs> I'm gonna be like, man, field notes are awesome. I'm gonna go back to field notes. Uh, but yeah, that's that's uh, what I'm mainly working with right now. So how about you, Andy? Um. What have I been doing lately? So I, I'm taking at the end of September. Um, I'm taking this um, class called Humanity Centered, and it's basically sort of this online six week, um, like anti racism and equitability uh, training for UX prof- UX professionals. So like learning how to make products like software and things that work, you know, work work for everyone, not for a certain subset of people learning about biases and, and things like that. Um, and one of the pre-reads that they um, suggested for it is this Brene Brown book called Braving the Wilderness. And have have any of you ever read Brene Brown? I'm, no, I'm not it's re- on my list. Yeah, I'm yeah. not really like a big some, self-help yeah. Per- yeah, person. Um, I read the, and I, she, I don't think I finished it, but I read that Daring Greatly. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it, it's a it's a good book. It goes really fast. It's really approachable. It's it's a little self helpy, which is not my usual jam. Um, but one thing that's in it that I really uh, I really like is that you know uh, she talks a lot about like the ability to sort of like stand like stand 
steadfast and so sort of like being able to live with like being uncomfortable with something or having somebody be uncomfortable with you. Um, and that's something that I'm not good at. I really hate uncomfortable silences. I really don't hate it when people don't like me, things like that. And so that's, that's been interesting. It's a good, the, the wilderness is kind of how she talks about like, uh, you know, when, when you're sort of like, you know, kind of standing alone, right. And you're, you're in the wilderness. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty good. It's a very short read. Um, I think I read it in like two, two evenings. Um, so if that's some, if that's the kind of thing, if you're a Brene Brown fan and you haven't read that, or if that's the kind of thing that might be interesting to you, like check that out. Um, also Katie and I are watching Little Fires Everywhere, um, which is on HBO. It's a very, very good show. Uh, it's, I guess it's a mini series. It's based off a novel. Um, if Charlotte's reading that right now. Oh, really? Yeah. It's the, um, Katie's read the, read the book. I did not read the book. Um, but the miniseries is, is super good. It takes place in 1997. I'm the, I'm exactly the same age as, um, as Reese Witherspoon's youngest daughter. <laughs> She's, <laughs> she was born in 1983. So was I. So uh, if that answers your question, Abraham, I'm like basically the very start of millennials, the very tail end of Gen Xers. So, uh, is that Gen Y? No, I don't know what Gen Y is. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a millennial probably, but like an older millennial. Um, so definitely brings back a lot of like late 90s memories of, of being in high school and like just sort of, yeah, it's so very good, very good novel. Um, also watching kind of in between time, uh, The Mandalorian on, on Disney Plus, I feel like I'm like the the last person on earth to nope, be a star Wars person. Not, yeah, not, not having seen that. Um, it's very good. It's like just, just, a, it's just a half an hour movie every time. I assume you've watched it, yeah. Tim. Oh yeah. It's like, yeah. A, everyone's um, like a little half an hour Western. Sorry. It's, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's like a sci-fi Western. What's, I love that there are people in it who aren't usually in things like Star Wars movies. Like Amy Sedaris is, has this like little bit part. <laughs> she's awesome, yeah. And she's just she's just um, yeah, just incredible. She's just so bonkers anyway. <laughs> um, yeah, it's just such a good little space space western. Yeah. Uh, and finally, um, there's this new series that's on HBO that we just saw um, just come up called Woke, and it's about a set. It's set in San Francisco. Lots of really good San Francisco scenes about this this uh, black cartoonist who. Um, becomes kind of like enters the mainstream consciousness and um yeah it's really good that, that looks and good and i uh, yeah yeah i am writing with a teal ink joy that johnny sent me awesome um and uh, i'm writing in my 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 blue Deutsch term notebook with cool. a with a dot grid because unlike abraham i have to have some kind of guidance <laughs> because my <laughs> I don't know if it's my left-handedness <laughs> or my general sloppiness, but my handwriting starts to drift down if I don't have like some kind of guidance. <laughs> so I can't write in a straight line otherwise. Yeah, look, yeah. does a good job with their dot grids. But yeah, I think, yeah, it's, yeah, it's very small. Yeah, look, all all that matters is that you're writing. Yeah, and that's the best. Totally, thing. you're writing. Yeah, yeah, have a lot of. Yeah, I didn't mean to. Be no, no, I understand. Legalistic or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, we 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 do we 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 pursue what we yeah. like, and that's a well, great thing. Tim, Tim is also a blank notebook guy, and at one point, I believe he called oh, yeah. dot grid dork grid. So I still do. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a lot. I'm a lot. Yeah. I'm not oh. quite as kind as you are, Abraham. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> 
<laughs> well, I teach this, and so I, I want people to just write. Yeah. You know, that's the, whatever you're using. You know, and you're you're happy with it. You're getting these your journals in the big box mm-hmm. store. That's wonderful. Yeah. You know, you save a lot of money. You know, b- b- paper blanks. That's that's about a twenty dollar volume. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And Johnny, how about you? Ridicule graph. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Ridicule graph. Oh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh man. I don't want to follow that up. <laughs> so um, last time I mentioned a book that I did not particularly enjoy by um, Julia Cameron called um, The Writing Diet, which was just not a good writing book, not a good diet book. Um, so I I had already picked up The Right to Write, like R-I-G-H-T to W-R-I-T-E, right? Um, so I was like, well, I have it. And oh, I see what you did I there. I had a copy, so I had two copies. Yeah. <laughs> So um, it was actually like pretty good and a lot of, I don't know, it was sort of like housekeeping, like, hey, here are a lot of reasons you probably have for not writing and here's why they're just silly and you should write. Oh, that's pretty cool. And uh, I mean, there's a little too much autobiography in there sometimes and she doesn't seem like she's that interesting. But um, yeah, I'm, if you find a cheap used copy, definitely pick it up. And I'm reading... I think the last chapter of The Body Keeps the Score, which Andy talked about recently, which is Me? a book. Didn't you bring that up? One of you brought that up. Must have been podcast. Tim. Crap. No, Sorry. I think that was a guest. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. Yeah. Oh man, I'm embarrassed. It's a um it's a book by like the world's trauma expert about um trauma and how it's stored in your body, which is mm. stuff we talk about in therapy. So it's heavy but very good. It's one of those, you know, I think we talked about this with Reed Wilson's um, last book, like somebody who's a giant in their field, and this is their big book that they've been working on their whole life. So um, if you, like, especially if you work with kids, it's a really good read. Um, And on the lighter side, we just recently watched the young and prestigious T.S. Spivet, which is the most recent film by Jean-Pierre Jeunette, the guy who did um, Amelie. But Mm -hmm. it's all in in English. It was filmed in canada and the u.s i think but um super good it was very um jean-pierre jeunet but um i don't know it was you know it was like omelie it had a little bit of darkness to it but it wasn't a dark movie if that makes any sense and there were two people who guest starred in the first season of la femme nikita on there which was cool like bonus points if you can figure out who they are i'll send you something cool um and we watched the stranger that um how do you pronounce his name? Harlan Coben? Whatever his name is. That's on Netflix. It's a miniseries about um, these British suburbanites. But um, yeah, it was it was so good I watched it in two nights and didn't really sleep much. So if you're having trouble sleeping, watch it. I thought this uh, line was going to be about that Billy Joel album, which I think is his best album. <laughs> well, when I saw it, I thought of... Um, <laughs> Camus, I was like, ooh, what's that? Yeah, the Camus book, that's what I thought of it. what it was. <laughs> well, fine. <Same> here. <laughs> Y'all Camus can do. Pretentious people. <laughs> Except I say Camus. <laughs> and um, I am writing with a Musgrave Tennessee Red in a Write Notepads anniversary book, which is a perfect match uh, aesthetically and tactily. Hmm. And super satisfying. So um, we're going to skip uh, fresh points tonight so that we can 
spend time talking about journaling because we haven't talked about journaling a lot and something we all do and probably a lot of our listeners do. Um, so first for Abraham, you've been blogging about the graphite life since 2006. So you talked about this a little earlier, but can you tell us a little about what inspired you to start La Vie Graphite as a blog that you would publish essays to and um, what's kept you going for 14 years? Because that's a long time. Yes, it is. It's a lot of commitment, but um, it's a joy. It, it always is. And, 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 and that's, that's uh, part of that propulsion, I suppose you could say. But um, uh, this idea of graphite, which is what we put to paper when we write with our pencils, you know, all our different tools that we like. Um, and I've, I've tried not to write much about the tools, but, you know, here they are, you know, and, and, and they deserve their due. Um, when I thought about this and that I didn't set out to keep a couple of journals at the same time, it's this idea that, um, for me at least, for my creative process, it's a great thing to jot things down. It's a very low commitment thing but you're preserving thoughts in just a few words and you can come back to them later. And that's really something that um, it's really developed along the way. And actually when I started to notice that I was doing that, that I would have a very small notebook, <clears throat> like a size of a field notes in this Moleskina that I'm writing in is the one that has the maps of Boston and as the front matter, they make some for different cities. Uh, is that it's something small, it's palm size, you can put it in your pocket. So it's always there. And uh, I had been on one of my many retreats in a monastery. I was actually in Taizé in, in France, and I was writing and writing with a pencil. And uh, very discreetly, you know, you can have it upright, you know, it's there's not ink that's going to rush to the back, you know, of the, of the device, you know, pencils are very, you know, gravity proof. Um, uh, and I would scratch little notes down, you know, uh, the uh, Reverend Pryor would say something and I'm thinking, oh, I've got to write this down. I've got to save this, you know, and I can write more about it later, you know, when I'm in better light and I've got my bigger journal, you know. Um, and so that's the uh, that's the vie en graphite. And it's not um, life in graphite. I would have changed the title, uh, but it's graphite it's it's life almost as graphite which is to say that you can you know it's erasable it's moldable you could smudge a bowl think of the metaphors that go with that and uh and i would just do this uh, and this is before the blog i would just do this and i would on, on a coffee break you know during the work day i would try to settle my thoughts things can get rather frenetic just settle my thoughts. And at the top of one of those little, you know, four by five inch pages, something rather small, I would say graphite today. And it would be, you know, what are, what are the words that exemplify my thoughts to be revisited? You know, that's the idea. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, I decided to call the blog that uh, because I felt like it was ephemeral, you know, the internet uh, uh, it's, 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 it's here Then it's, well, of course we hope that it's not, it doesn't disappear, especially if you've worked 14 years on the same blog. <laughs> uh, uh, but it, it is something fleeting and, um, uh, uh, it, it seemed to make sense. It seemed to, to, to be, you know, the, um, a good title, you know, and, and kind of a bilingual title. 
but to 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 keep at it, well, that that's not easy, especially uh, as life makes all sorts of demands. Uh, I really enjoyed when I could write four essays a month, uh, lots of short essays. I, I really I miss doing that, but uh, you know, as it happens with any life, you you get to all sorts of struggles and responsibilities and all, all kinds of things. And if I can just publish once a month, that's fine with me. You know, uh, there's no, there's no one cracking the whip. If it isn't me, there's nobody doing that. And, uh, I do all the photography. Uh, that's my background. As you've heard, um, I went to art college and, uh, uh, then I had this career in, in photography before I got into you know, preservation and archives and libraries. But uh, something that uh, has me thinking about uh, art school, and maybe some of you went to art school, I'm not sure. Um, uh, uh, I'm very much on the intuitive side of the brain. Uh, and uh, I, I love process. And I studied printmaking as well as photography. And they were teaching us that tamarind style of printmaking where you have this reverence for the process, the steps. What does it take to ink that plate? You know, it's a process. There's a sequence. First you do this, then you do that. And you're not jumping over things. You're not rushing through the process to get to your finished print. And I think that writing and the way that we write and keeping a journal, it's an appreciation and a reverence for the process. Uh, you're, you're putting words down. They're coming from your imagination and your perception. You're looking at things. You're an observer. And, and here it is. You're putting it down in your own way. I, I think that built into that, and you see it in the blog, there's a lot about that process. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Mm. Um, so, so speaking of that, um, we're kind of talking about blogging, journaling, um, Journaling, of course, which is kind of like old-fashioned blogging, right? Just for <laughs> just for one person. Sort of, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so as good philosophers, yeah. we really want to be clear about our terms here. Um, can you tell us exactly, at least, at least for the discussion today, what you mean by journaling? Yes. Uh, journaling isn't really a word, you know, grammatically. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and I... But we use that word, and there was actually a periodical, I think Writer's Digest had something, it was called Personal Journaling. Uh, uh, maybe you've seen this. Uh, it had a short life, but um, I've actually used those back issues to teach out of um, keeping a journal, writing a journal. It's actually journal writing. Maybe that's a better grammatical thing to say. It's like it's like professional archivists don't say archiving. Mm. You know, it would be like saying, would you library that book for me? <laughs> no, 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 no. I think that's great. Because I think that archives, sounds amazing. <laughs> archive, archive, <laughs> I, I, not to get off the track, because that could be for another topic, and I hope it will be. Uh, archive, an archive is a noun. It's not a verb. <laughs> In the same way that library is a noun, not a verb. And what you do is you organize your archives. You process them. And now we're back to process. But um, journaling, uh, keeping a journal, this is to say, um, and actually the translating the French for that, because journal is a newspaper, I think you know, um, they say intimate journal. That's how it translates. And that's the expression that's used for what we call like a diary or a journal. Mm. It's to say that you are doing this thing of uh, noting down thoughts. 
that would be like the graphite journal and then also developing them. You can also do that. And that's what I do with the pen and ink thing or the stream of consciousness, which is what I do with the typewriter. Um, but there isn't one way to keep a journal and that's really important. And it's a very liberating thing. And I find that, that, um, um, the students really appreciate that. But when we say journaling, we're really saying that you are keeping your own chronicle and it is something that could only come from you. It is the first person. It is the, it is, it is some form or another of your expression based on what you see. Uh, and uh, so when we say I keep a journal in a very loose sense, because there are styles of doing this and tools and manners and ways, um, but it is in some form or another, it is an expression of your observation of your own life in the first person. Yeah, I think that, I mean, that's, that's really well said. And when we think of a, you know, keeping a journal as, as a way of like sort of encapsulating your experience, like you're saying, I mean, right now at the start of, not right now, mm -hmm. but at the start of the pandemic, there were lots of, you know, sources and people saying like, this is the time to keep a journal, right? Like when you're going through something out of the ordinary and it's, I mean, it's worthwhile even when there's not something this crazy going on, but like, what do you think, like, how would you right. say... Or maybe you could answer like this, like what's, what's been your approach or how has journaling been, sorry, how has keeping a journal been different during, uh, <laughs> during, the, right. pan during the pandemic? Like, and how Just people don't say archive this for me. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> okay. so, Library that book. <laughs> so keeping a journal in the time of, in, in, in especially crazy times, like what, what do you have to say about that? Or what, what do you think the value is there? Hmm. Well, I think uh, uh, it's sort of like when you look at archival photographs, for example, there is great value in the commonplace. Uh, don't you love looking mm -hmm. at street photographs or people in a diner and you can tell it's at night because the windows are blackened, oh, right? Definitely. Don't you love that? It's the commonplace. You know, someone is uh, slumped over a table and there's the cup of coffee and heavy ceramic, you know, think about and they've got the price board, you know, above their heads. The and most, so on. the most the like, value is really oh, sorry. <laughs> no, sorry. I was just going to just yeah, I totally agree. I, I was just going to say that the most fascinating family photos are always the ones mm -hmm. that are catching a moment rather than the ones that are like everybody lined up with the same matching jeans and white shirt on or whatever. So. <laughs> yes, the commonplace. There's a lot to be said for that. Um, uh, and um, uh, I started journaling in a time of real crisis, personal crisis. There were uh, deaths in my family. It was a very difficult time. And um, uh, I didn't even think of writing in a journal. Uh, it's like the world came crashing down uh, at my job and in every, every, at every turn. And uh, I decided to take some time and just back away from things. I had been working long, long weeks. This is when I was still in the photo field. And uh, I was listening to music in the dark room. <laughs> you know, it was music from the Weston Priory, which is the Benedictine community that's in Vermont. And uh, during a really difficult time, because I was having trouble just even staying on the beam and doing my job, 
and I asked for some days off and I looked at my, like we are talking about looking at the radio. I looked at my stereo with that music on and I thought, I'm going to, I'm going to go where this music is. I'm going to find out where it came from. I'm going to go to this place because it's, you know, about three and a half hours drive from here. And I went to Vermont and one of my coworkers gave me a blank book. Uh, and, uh, she said, take this with you. It sounds like you're going to need this. And I, I looked at her and I said, I don't keep diaries. <laughs> she said, take it with you. And I took it with me and, um, uh, I, uh, started to write in it and write it and write in it. And I found this place. I found the Weston Priory. I've been going there now for 25 years. I even lived there for, a, 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 for a time in 1999. Uh, it has meant a tremendous amount to me. And you can look on the blog and you can see a lot of pictures and a lot of things that I've learned there. Uh, uh, it's almost like learning how to live life, you know, just living alongside these Benedictine brothers. But the journaling began there. And, and, uh, and yes, it was a time of crisis. And then I had to fly back to Paris. I had to go to a funeral. It was, it was very difficult. I had that little journal with me, you know, and I got another one, you know, and I was in Europe. And uh, the writing just hasn't stopped. It's been going on since. And um, it doesn't have to be a crisis is what I'm really getting at. Uh, there's the commonplace that has enormous value. Uh, uh, you know, this is, in fact, it's a really great thing. If you have the time and you think about it and it fascinates you, write it down. You know, what what is what does a cup of coffee cost right now? You know, and then you're going to look at it in 20 years. You're going to say, "Oh my goodness!" <laughs> you know, or, or six dollars. That's uh, what that was so cheap. You know, there's look at that. It's amazing. You know, with inflation, um, uh, you know, maybe there's a blizzard and it's keeping you home. And you've got. I live in Maine. Uh, there's a blizzard and, and it's keeping you home. And and you want to write something about that. And what do things look like? And and can you smell that it's going to snow? Because I can, and a lot of us here can. Write about it. Put it down. It's the commonplace, but it's 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 tremendous. Uh, the pandemic, of course, it, it just it just slammed us in such short notice. It just happened like that. And uh, um, I even went back and looked at the journal I kept after September 11th. I didn't write anything until September 18th. And I was sitting on the docks of Belfast Harbor, you know, in, in Maine. And uh, I started to write about it because it was it just stunned all of us. Um, uh, and I'll just say this, and then we'll, we, I, I want to respect your time. Um, uh, it's an interesting thing. If you, if you do keep a journal, if you do write in a journal, look at your journal entries from February. It's before the play, <laughs> you know, look at the things you were writing about, you know, even look at the photos on your camera, maybe, or look at the things that were occupying your thoughts. There again is a definition of what journal writing is. It's very, very interesting to go back and to look and to say, oh, this is what I was thinking about. Oh, this is what was eating me. And now you look at this, you know, uh, uh, things have changed so much so quickly. Yeah. yeah. So speaking of um, pre-COVID days when we could all go out, um, you've taught workshops on journaling at um, a few different venues in Portland, if I'm not mistaken. Mm -hmm. um, so can yeah. you tell us about those events? Like, um, you know, how do you teach people to journal and how do you journal with other people? And do you get to, you know, check in with people later? Yes. Uh, yes to all these things. Um, I created a curriculum and, uh, um, uh, and a monthly program 
uh, I've been doing that for five years. I've also taught workshops, and that predates the uh, this 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 journaling program that I do. The wonderful thing about it is what happens around the journaling. It's that um, there are a lot of teaching and learning opportunities for the poets and the playwrights and the novel writing month. What about the essayists? You know, what about the essayists? Because that's really what journaling is. Uh, I didn't find there was anything. And I was calling around and looking at meetups and different things in schools and libraries. And I didn't see anything like that. Um, and so I thought I would try it. And I created this program. And what I do is um, I write I write lesson plans and I create journaling prompts. And I'd be happy to send these to you if you're interested. Yeah, definitely. Um, and the important thing is I love an open-ended question. I also teach philosophy, and I know Johnny knows this. And the more open-ended, the more the recipient of those words can own the concept. They can make it their own. So we'll just stick to journaling for the moment. Um, uh, I usually use a theme. Uh, for example, uh, my group was invited to uh, hold its class, its meeting, uh, in a hotel lobby. And the reason for that is it's a hotel in Portland uh, uh, in which the building that they're in used to be the headquarters of a newspaper. And so they have kept the themes going about printing presses and so on. And I held a type in there. You know, actually, I was part of a Actually, it was a typewriter repairman in Cambridge and I, we led this, you know, we had people writing, bringing in their typewriters, writing, and I was using prompts and so on. And as a thank you gesture, the hotel said, look, bring your class here, have your journaling class here, and we'll invite hotel guests to join you. And I thought, well, this is great. And so I'm giving you this example simply to say that uh, the theme that evening was travel. You know, going places, <laughs> even though we all were, you know, people that lived in the, you know, in Maine, in the Portland area. And, and we were guests in this hotel, but we had people with us who were not from the area. And we were writing about, for example, one of the one of the prompts was um, you wake up in the morning and you the room is unfamiliar, but your things are draped over the chair next to you you know, and then write. And I, you know, we time it and, and these, these prompts are timed, but they're supposed to be, and I make them that way, very open-ended. And what I do are open prompts and closed prompts. An open prompt is that the people who write are invited to read from what they have. And I always say you're invited, but not obliged because this is personal writing. and I don't want anyone to feel on the spot, but people love to air their work. This is true. I do too. <laughs> I've read some of those essays you see on that blog. I've read some of them to, to audiences. Uh, and um, I've picked a few out that I think would resonate and I've actually used them as public readings, you know, like an open mic, you know, and I would bring some printed things from the blog. But uh, the closed prompt is uh, something that um, uh, is really meant for the journal writer themselves, and they should feel completely free to write what they want. And that's the part of every workshop that I call for your eyes only. Okay, for your eyes only, you're going to spend 15 minutes and you're going to write about, and I give them a prompt, and I'll just say go, and I have a timer. 
Um, this has been enormously popular. People just love it. And as I said, the things that happen around the, the workshops uh, are the friendships. And we do check in on each other. And we've kept it going using Jitsi. And I'm here at my dining table and everyone is in their apartments and so on. And we are doing this. We have the open and the closed prompts. I read to the group. Um, the last meeting we had ended at midnight. You know, I, I called it right night. And, um, and it, was, it was very well received, but it, was, it had to be for night owls, really. Uh, people that had to get to work the next morning early couldn't make it. And, and so I don't think I'll do this too much, but I want people to feel encouraged uh, to write. It shouldn't worry about what it looks like, the grammar, the mechanics, you know. Just don't say archiving, all right? Just... <laughs> <laughs> It's a noun, not a verb. Um, uh, but uh, the important thing, you know, uh, is is that you're writing, you're expressing, you're putting words together, you're putting it out there. Uh, some of the people in the group have published, which I think is just great. It, it, it's fantastic. You know, I will aid and abet the process, you know, because I, I want this to be a source of encouragement. And when it is that way, and it was like that when I was an art teacher, people are going to continue. If they've had a good time, they're going to continue. If you have a good time with your writing, with your journal writing, you will do it. You will continue. And when things start to feel a little dry, you might just decide to change where you're writing or what you're writing with or, you know, pick up a book, you know, and find some momentum. And then, then you're back on the writing beam again. So, uh, Abraham, as, as an aside, my, uh, my day job, yeah. my profession is I, um, work on a software design team as a writer. So I write a lot of the interface language and the terms that they use and mm. things like that. And I'm really, That's really great. interested to know your thoughts. Uh, maybe this is for like someday to share a drink and talk about this, but um, uh, Gmail's uh, archive function, you know, you can archive, quote unquote archive old emails and like <laughs> basically throwing them away without throwing them away. <laughs> I'm in, preserve it. Yeah, I'm interested uh, to, huh. to know <laughs> your opinion about that because I bet it's changed the way a, a lot of people, a lot of just lay, lay people, think about what archiving, archival archives are, right? Or preservation. Yeah. It's an archivist would say it's preservation. <laughs> One of the things that happens uh, is that when you're doing things digitally, uh, you you know, it, it's it's sort of similar to digital imaging. What's the original? Yeah. What's the original and how can you tell and how can you tell that original hasn't been gone, gotten back into and edited and changed and so on. And when you're looking at a handwritten manuscript, you can tell, yeah. you can tell this is, this is done by hand. This is the original. You can see maybe things were crossed out. Things were changed. You have a second version, a third version. So, you know, when it comes to preservation of, of, uh, born digital, uh, items, that's something that, crosses a lot of archivists minds yeah well but i'm uh, but i think that again if it's personal writing you know you're you're you, you are you are putting your voice out there yeah well what i really I mean, when you were talking about a commonplace journal um i really yeah i really love that idea and i don't keep a commonplace journal myself um right now i mostly use it just to like work through things or just to like you know if there's something maybe in the commonplace that's on my mind a lot but you know, I use in the, right. in the same way that a lot of people in the future might use a commonplace journal. Um, I like to kind of right. like look through my um, my my phone camera roll from like a year ago and two years ago, just to kind there of like see what's happening. Mm -hmm. 
And something I've been yes. kind of worried about for a while that I'm sure that preservationists and archivists are worried about is like, mm-hmm. you know, people are keeping this incredible um, record of commonplace images, right? Like pictures of everyday things, like pictures of menus, pictures of people, pictures of, of cars, but it's all yes. locked up in your device or in your cloud. And when you die or when some service shuts down, all that stuff just disapp- disappears because it's just like not yeah. out there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Well, this, this, this is segueing us into that other thing. It's true. Maybe, which, maybe which we, we should say that. But it's, <laughs> yeah. No, it's fine, and I would love to do this, and you just tell me when, but I think suffice it to say, because I want to to respect your your your, your wonderful question and these points that you're making, um, when you're an archivist and you're at the receiving end, someone will call or they'll show up and they'll say, um, uh, I want to give my personal papers to this library, mm. or this university because I went there or my grandfather went to this university and I have his papers and I want you to have them because I want them to be preserved and I want them to be used for scholarly purposes. Uh, So those things do come up. And preservation, part of that is uh, that idea of custodianship of those manuscripts. Yeah. Yeah, you know the the uh, uh, Ansel Adams's photographs, the ones that he actually printed himself. They're in Rochester. Yeah. they're at that Museum of Photography, so you can actually see the prints that he made, or Paul Strand's prints. You can you can see them, and and printing is a very expressive thing. But it's important that they are in a place like that where we can go see them, and they didn't get thrown away. Yeah, that's fascinating. Yeah, I would love to talk about this. Um, I have lots of thoughts <laughs> as somebody who is sort yes, of like well, it's a wonderful. It's good. Yeah, like a good. I'm sort of a like a by nature preservationist like that's i'm in, i'm the one who's in charge of digitizing my family's photos in case there's a yes. flood or something i don't know but like i am curious right. on professionally how this happens so yeah so yeah <laughs> we yeah. are thinking go on i'm sorry we think about these things because no no it's 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 these are great things to bring up and uh, and it just shows you that uh, um uh the idea of the archival it's always it's always with us. Do I save this? <laughs> How should I save this? Where do I save this? Yeah. I'm keeping a journal. You know, I want this to. Uh, I'm going to put these journals in a in a tote, or I'm going to put them in a strong box or something. See, so you're you're we're we are really thinking about this, and and that's a good thing. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So let's get to. I love. We'd love to hear about your kind of. Sp- you, you've told us about your three different notebooks, or the three things you've got going, but about your specific mm-hmm. habits for keeping those those journals. Uh, how often do you write in your journal? Do you what, what are your routines sure. like? Are there specific times of day or week or kind of how you're just doing in general like mm-hmm. that just kind of hits you uh, by inspiration uh, to kind of get your juices flowing for, for, for journaling? What, is it, what does that look like for you? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, great questions. And there, there are a few questions rolled up into, into your, into your one broad question. I'm a professor. <clears throat> Some specifics. Yeah. Here. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. And it shows. Oh, oh, it no, does. No, no, it's wonderful. This is great. This is, it's, it's talking shop. It's just great. Um, true to what I say to, uh, the, uh, the groups that I teach and that the people I try to encourage. And even in the blog, you know, there is something of that in there. Um, it should never feel forced. You're writing because you need to, you want to, you know, it, it's something you want to do. And I think this group will appreciate this. 
people ask about pencils and pens and notebooks and so on. And there was one evening I did a clinic about how to fill and clean a fountain pen because people <laughs> ask, who's going to show you? Who's going to show you? People want to know. And, and what I say is don't feel like just like journaling, there isn't one way, but get a book, a blank book and tools that make you want to write. You know, maybe it's that that uh, Edelweiss uh, pencil. <laughs> maybe it's that, you know, yeah. it makes you want to write. Maybe it's that notebook that opens with the spine on the top instead of the side. It makes you want to write. So write, makes you want to write. It's great. You know, it's going to be different. It's going to be very personal. Um, how often, you asked. Um, again, it's not something that I set out to do me that doesn't like lines. <laughs> um, but what generally happens is I wake up very early. I live in a building that's about 170 years old. So it's a hot bath every morning. <laughs> and that means you have to dry off. You know? uh, and, uh, um, you know, the, the, the coffee and, you know, waking up, it's a some of it is learned from the monastic life, uh, um, but journaling fits right into that. You know, I'm beginning the day. I'm a clean slate. Uh, I have not turned on the computer. I, I am not about to, as I like to say, slide down the chute into the workday. Uh, and that's a great time to write some thoughts down. It's never for a long period of time because I start to think ahead. I start to think of prep and so on. Uh, but that's a really opportune time to write for me, at least it's first thing in the morning. Um, before the world turned upside down, it was lunch hour. And I always called it scribbling and nibbling uh, because it's half <laughs> scribbling and half nibbling. In fact, it's more scribbling than nibbling. So episode, it's actually nibbling title. with some in the middle of scribbling <laughs> and everyone is used to this. You know, I, I, I work downtown and I see the same people over and over and they see me with that journal and the pencil and they say, Oh, there you go. You never stop. <laughs> it's a funny thing about living in a small town. You know, Portland is only 67,000 people. I feel like I know most of them <laughs> um, or I've helped most of them. It's, 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 it's kind of, sweet you know uh, uh people will you know if you're at an outdoor cafe or something and there you are with your little notebook and your pencil and people just look and they grin and they nod <laughs> <laughs> it's it, i i cherish that and i've written about this too um uh, uh so lunch hour has been a good time and also it's a way to uh, to blow off a little bit of steam you know i've gone to a meeting and i found it completely inept and i've decided to write about it <laughs> you know uh it's like watch out i'm gonna write about you watch out <laughs> <laughs> ah, I'm going to write about you. Ah, you're going to write about me in your journal. Yes, I will. I will. Uh, and there you go. Um, and then at nighttime, see, look, it's morning, morning, noon, and night all, almost. It almost is. Sometimes night is, is really great because the, the, day, the day has run its course and you've decided to close the day. Uh, I don't always do this, but a lot of the times I will do this. Um, I am, and that's, again, going back to... Uh, where you asked about the value of journaling is that you are making sense of the world and you're putting some words down and, and you're just doing it. It's a very safe place. You can make fun of people. <laughs> you can say that meeting was ridiculous. I can't believe what so-and-so said. 
write it down. It's the safest place to do this. Otherwise, you know, loose lips could sink ships and, and <laughs> you know, you don't have to watch your language if you, you know, or, or something else, you know, it can be a flight of fancy. Mm. You know, this reminds me of something someone said to me in third grade. <laughs> you know, what did they say? Write it down. Write it down because you, you'll lose it if you don't. Yeah. So you sort of answered this so the question. juices are always flowing, as you can hear. They're they're yeah all the time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even you now, were, you've sort of um, you've offered a few answers to this question, but do you have any mm-hmm. other tips for someone who um, maybe they want to start a journal and they're just you know having trouble? They've got the book they like, they've got the pencil they like, and they're still mm-hmm. not writing. What would you say to them? Ah, uh, yeah, I get this a lot. Uh, uh, people that will come to me and say, oh, I'd like to join your group, but I have never done this. And I say, oh, good, you've never done this. Let me get you. <laughs> you know, I, I, um, I've given out uh, field notes, notebooks. Um, you remember they did the county fairs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I bought several dozen state of Maine field notes books. And I give those out, you know, because it's the cover matter has all sorts of things about Maine and and people really love it because it's it's like, oh, look at this. Oh, and I get to write in this, too. It's blank. (laughs) So it's the perfect combination. It's really for them. It's like, ah, it's my home state. Um, It can be a little intimidating. And it reminds me of when I was uh, in my first year in art college and you had your big 20 by 30 sketch pad and you know there are objects that you have to draw or there's a model standing on a pedestal and you're looking at that big blank white piece of paper and you've got a piece of charcoal in your hand and it's like where do I even begin (laughs) it's a lot like that and um, I had a drawing teacher that had us start by drawing the shadows and build out from the shadows. It's very interesting. And we did it in charcoal and we did it in watercolor also. We began with the shadows and we started, we ended up with the highlights. It's a very interesting way to work. It's this almost sort of additive and subtractive process at the same time. So when it comes to writing, if someone says, oh, I'm not a writer. Uh, you know, but we- you say good. <laughs> Yes, that's what you say because you have an imagination and you're looking at things your own way. And those prompts are a huge help. Maybe you know the book called Writing Down the Bones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a good by book. By Natalie like Goldberg. It's, it's got to be the best book about journaling. It is just great because she doesn't tell you how to journal. It doesn't tell you what to do. But there's something about those short essays that get the wheels turning. And uh, she has what she calls her homemade no-quit prompt that at the top of a piece of paper, it's kind of like the big sketch pad. She writes the words, I remember, dot, dot, dot. Hmm. And wow, does that get the writing going? (laughs) Um, I have one that I made up, uh, and I've referred to it a lot in the blog. I caught myself doing this in my journal. I would say, I heard myself say, (laughs) because it's a funny thing. If you're your own observer, you hear yourself say things again at those terrible meetings or you're chatting with someone on the street or you're, you know, you, you've heard yourself say something and it's Mm. stuck to you. It's like, this is what I really think. Yeah. Really? (laughs) This is what I saw. So it's, I heard myself say dot, 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 and the pencil starts flying. And I think that for someone who wants to get started and they feel a little intimidated, uh, 
you could start with write what you see, write where you are. What's in front of you? What are you thinking about? What's stuck in your throat and you feel like you need to write it down? And, and, and things start to follow. And, and I, think, I think it's good that someone who has never done this before knows, it's good that they know that um, there are no rules. Mm. There are really no rules. You can draw in that thing. You can turn it the other way if you want to and write the long way. You can uh, start out by copying some quotes down. I think that was your commonplace, right? You know, write some things down, take some notes, go to a museum exhibit and some things you're going to hear. Actually, <laughs> look at the people that are at these openings. Of course, this is before the plague. <laughs> it's very interesting to watch people and how they stand in front of artworks. You know, it's very interesting. Oh. But um, the world is filled with material. And I try to encourage people along those lines. You know, there's material all around us. That we I was just from. reading a really uh, good book. I think I mentioned it a couple, maybe a month ago or something, but called Writing Better Lyrics by Pat Pattison, who's a Berkeley School of Music professor. Mm. And uh, he brings up this exercise called object writing, which I think is another like great mm-hmm. like journal booster where it's it's literally just choosing like a single object. It could be like window, grass, car, uh, coffee pot. And yes. you just, you start with that and then you just turn off all your filters and just kind of let yourself take big swings on it for 10 minutes. And it's always kind of shocking, like just as something to get you going. Cause at the beginning you're like, I have nothing I could possibly say about this. But when you actually start letting yourself follow those, those ruts yes. down, like through your history, you end up uncovering things in your memory or about yourself that you had just totally disregarded just because you started writing this 10 minute thing yes. about, you know, like tennis shoes or whatever it is. And it's, it's really. Yes, absolutely. Really I, uh, I, I led off one of these uh, recent uh, uh, workshops. Uh, usually the first prompt is an open prompt and I, and I make it very open-ended. And w- recently I just said, um, what gets under your skin these days? Oh boy. <laughs> <laughs> and I just prompt. saw everyone just, yeah, what gets under your skin these days? Um, next week, or uh, it's Monday, is World Gratitude Day. Did you know there was a World Gratitude Day? I, I just saw this and I thought, no, um, I'm grateful there is. I am leading an. I'm- <laughs> <laughs> Bravo. <laughs> Aren't you thankful that there is such a day? Because um, uh, speaking with. About this, as it relates to archives, I am helping a statewide initiative to collect anecdotes from the public about the pandemic in Maine. And uh, I mentioned I'm using an Omeka platform, and it's done through the Maine State Library. And uh, I'm leading an effort to collect in the Portland area, which is in southern Maine. And there are people in Bangor, and there are people in Lewiston, and people in Biddeford. And they're doing something. We're all networked together. Uh, but I write the prompts for this and they get spread around the state. And uh, so for this, I said, uh, well, in light of the fact that we have this World Gratitude Day, um, what has been uh, the source of your gratitude during these times? You know, question mark, go. And uh, we'll start to collect things next week. We'll, We'll see what people say, what people submit to these projects. That's awesome. But the, the, the prompts are, uh, see, I'm doing what I do with those classes, but now it's, it's broadcast around the state, you know, through 
these prompts. And there's a Facebook page, it's called Maine During COVID, and you would see those prompts I'm writing because we put them there too. And it's a way for me to help other communities. And uh, the prompts provide a little bit of a guideline, but it's never, this is what you need to write, this is how you need to do it. No, 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 no. Here's a concept, you know, it's gratitude or it's what gets under your skin. Take that and run with it and see what happens. And just and just go. And I think that um, uh, the writing seems to generate more writing. Yeah, it, it, it's really like it's like art. It's like it's like any any art medium. You know, you you jump in and you get going. Whether it's drawing or it's photography or it's sculpture, you just get going. Just get get started and just 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 write. Just do your thing, and you will arrive at your style and you will arrive at your your method. Awesome. So. Um, if it's okay with you, could we maybe post a few of these on the sh- in the show notes section that folks can access on our website that goes along with this episode? You mean the uh, main during COVID? Or maybe just like Absolutely. a few select ones that you think um, our listeners might like. Of course. I could, I could send you um, the list of prompts because I've been doing these since I think the end of may we had some we had a, a drive a kind of collecting drive you know we were building something around the fourth of july and you know asking people to reflect because it is so different right no cookouts you know you know this because you're, you're you're in different parts of the country and you're 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 contending with the same things but i could send you the list if you like john you. You, you just pick from that that you, that you like but it is getting people writing and it's nice to hear that libraries in different parts of this state are turning those prompts into little flyers and into mailings and bookmarks they're dropping them into the oh, uh, curbside pickups <laughs> isn't that sweet uh, and and the idea is you're blending in writing with reading i think they're inextricable yeah. And if you're not happy with your writing, then you're not reading enough. Excellent. So thank you so much for joining us tonight. I know it's a, oh, it's a weird night of the week. It's Tuesday that we're recording. Yes. And um, <laughs> so we've mentioned your blog, but can you tell our guests where they can find you on the internet um, if you have any other places you want to share? I really think that's it. You know, I I, uh, I uh, care for and feed that that La Vie Graphite uh, blog, uh, and you, you're so kind to to share that. Um, uh, I've contributed to some other things, but uh, uh, it's not with the steadiness of, of of that. So I think that's really the place. Um, yeah. Nice. Excellent. But thank you. This this has just been great, and and uh, uh, it's just it's always great to chat with kindred spirits. Yeah. yeah so, um, Andy and Tim, can you tell folks where to find you on the internet? Yeah, you can find you can go ahead, Tim. Find me on Instagram <laughs> at Timothy Wassum, and I'm on Twitter at Tim Wassum. And I am uh, at um, a Wellfully on Twitter and Instagram, and you can find my my stuff going on at andy.wtf awesome and i am at pencilrevolution.com sometimes and on social media at <laughs> pencilution and we are of course the erasable podcast you can find this episode at erasable.us slash 149 
Um, you can check out our Facebook group, which is at facebook.com slash groups slash erasable. Our Twitter and Instagram are at erasable podcast. And our official Facebook page is facebook.com slash erasable podcast. We have a Patreon where folks out of the goodness of their hearts support us. You can find this at patreon.com slash erasable. And an extra big thank you to the following people who subscribe at the producer level. Thank you very much to Alex Jonathan Brown, Ann Sype, Bob Ostwald, Bobby Letzinger, Chris Jones, Chris Metzkis, Chris Ulrich, Dave McDonald, Dave Tubman, Fourth Letter, Gangster Hotline, Hans Nudelman, Hunter McCain, Jacqueline R. Myers, James Dominguez, James Spears, Jason Dill, Jamelia, Joe Crace, John Binion, KP, Kathleen Rogers, Caitlin Weens, Leslie Touzet, Mary Collis, Measure Twice, Michael Dialosa, Michael Hagen, Millie Blackwell, A.O. Pryor, Random Thinks, Stuart Lennon, Tana Feliz, and Terry Beth Ledbetter. Thank you, everybody. Yay. Thank you. Jeez, it's such a big list. <laughs> and we'll be back next That's week. That's cause for gratitude, isn't it? Absolutely. We'll, we'll be talking about you on Monday. <laughs> and please write in your journals. Turn it off.